and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. This is show number three of our 2018 review month, where this week we'll be discussing the worst of 2018 in wrestling. So... I am your host this week, the, your friendly neighbourhood micro-host, David Hockney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and today I've assembled, assembled the worst of ESSR to discuss the worst of 2018. Mm. <laughs> so if you want to listen to some of the other shows we have this month, we've also discussed the best of 2018 as well as the, the wrestlers of the year. Uh, that and 100 plus episodes on our back catalogue, which you can check out. Uh, on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good podcasting sites. Just search for us at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. We're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Suplex Retweet. If you like what you hear, give us a rating, give us a review, preferably five stars. If you wanted to give us six, just take the one off your top of your Christmas tree. You should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now let's introduce said worst of ESSR. So up first, we have a man who looks like one of Lashley's sisters with a charity collection box. <laughs> <laughs> It's Gary Kernahan. Gary, how are you? Oh, thank you. I wish I could say that was the worst thing I've been called in the past week. So. Uh, you came in looking sharp dressed as well. You had the pocket square in your jacket, and I think Quacky even called you James Bond at one point. Yes, um, I was in court today. Oh. <laughs> the defendant that? clearly got off. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get super duper solicitor in there? <laughs> you get Dr. Loy on your face. <laughs> Alright, and up next we have another one of Lashley's sisters dressed in a turtleneck, oh. it's Andy Mitchell! Tell <laughs> you, David. Uh, glad to be here, but uh, I don't even know uh, what to you're say on last week, You were on last week discussing the best of 2018. Um, I'm going to go from being the, in the best panel to the worst panel in a week. Uh, you, you could fall in the same category as some of the uh, superstars that have been booked just as poorly. So, well, well, it's a pleasure to be here anyways. Uh, good to have you on. Uh, up next, uh, Dallas316 says, I just shagged your neighbour's cat. It's Scott McLeod. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, I'm not even angry about that. That was fucking... Oh, that's your best one. Yeah. Although it is nice to know where I stand now that I'm included as one of the worst in ESSR, so thank you very much. All right, that's the, that's the bar set for you. And finally, we have Ross McLeod. <laughs> well, seeing as we have time, I'd like to let the viewers know that in the new year, I'll be going on a health kick, and I'm hoping to get as thin as David Serling. Ooh. That's coming from the guy who has um, a better hairline than two of the other panellists on here. I know, but you fucking started it by no game in intro. Move on. Um, <laughs> I know, but we are forgetting one very important person, and that is our MVEP, Kwaku. How are you? Oh, not too bad. I'd like to think if I've been on the best and now the worst, then I'm just strictly average. <laughs> well, we'll call you our strictly average MVEP then. On oh, no, a fair dues. Let us know. Yeah. So, unfortunately, well, Whilst we have discussed best of uh, 2018 last week, we now sadly have to cover the other end of the scale with worst of 2018. And I'd like to kick things off with not necessarily a bad or a cringy moment, but I think it was a really sad moment. Uh, Gary, what did you think of when you heard that Roman Reigns relinquishing the Universal Championship after he revealed he has leukaemia? Yeah, the rumours leading into this were that he was going to relinquish the title but we all thought it was due to injuries. No, there was no hint that he had such a serious underlying health condition. I remember watching it with uh, with my nine-year-old daughter Lucy, and afterwards uh, she started oh, crying. She's, she's nine now. She's nine, yeah. Oh, sorry, I've always known her as eight-year-old Lucy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was a rough surprise. <laughs> she was uh, nine in June. 
<laughs> so she was eight when she started appearing on the podcast, to be fair to you. Um, she started crying afterwards and she said to me, um, do, asked me, do you feel bad for Boone Roman now? To which I said, actually, uh, no. Um, <laughs> but no, because uh, he had even said himself um, during his promo, I think if I remember right, that um, he would be more concerned if people came out and there was no reaction mm. to them. And I, my, my answer to Lucy was, you know, we're fans, we pay, you, know, you pay for your ticket, you're entitled to cheer for who you want and you can boo for who, who you want. And he was just not one of the guys at that point that we booed for, but I suspect that when, hopefully when he comes back, there'll be no booing Roman <laughs> yeah I, don't, I think it's impossible to sort of boom at this stage but you bring up an excellent point like it makes you question do you feel bad for booing him now uh, Andy I think what Gary said there I think when you hear that you almost feel bad for booing Roman Reigns because you know he's obviously a very sort of polarising figure within the uh, the wrestling world but when you see him as Joe Anawahi that uh, the man do you think that sort of changes how you sort of respond to him now I don't know, well, I never really got behind the whole sort of booing Reigns to the start. Like, I, I think it was kind of, because he's talented, he's more talented than what, like, you know, Cena is, because he's essentially the Cena character. But when I, when I sort of first saw it, I, I, I couldn't believe it, because I thought, I, did, I didn't, because no one knew he had it, he had it before. Yeah. Then all of a sudden he's got it again, and it was just as like, shit. Like, I, you kind of felt like uh, everybody who was booing him must have felt like, oh, fuck, I feel like I'm right hustle now. Mm. Yeah, so it's, um, Scott, um, at that point he had to relinquish the Universal Championship when he'd held for 64 days, so a little over two months, and he was scheduled to defend it at Crown Jewel, which we'll discuss a bit later on. Um, But how do you think that sort of affected the booking, go ahead, knowing that, you know, this is probably the most serious thing that could have happened? I think it was a big thing, because Kessel went away, Edge had to retire when he was the world champion, wearing that, I know it's, Roman said it's not retiring, but then I had the same idea that came out of nowhere and he was the world champion at the time, he said on top and suddenly like he's had to go away and well I think you can clearly see how the book has been affected to how they've had to, they had to hot shot the belt back to Brock and everything over the last year or so since the belt around Roman eventually having his moment. It had that moment, he was in the shield and there were clear plans in place as they came out now and obviously this is one of the one of the worst things that could have happened to WWE at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ross, just to sort of follow on from that, this was at the peak of, you know, the Shield's almost sort of mini revival, as it were. They just come off a big win over Braun, Ziggler and Drew at Super Showdown. Do you think, had Roman not had to relinquish it, do you think the Shield would have kept going as a result? Yeah, I think they would have kept Ambrose and Rollins till Mania. I think they've sort of, like everything's, like Scott said, the booking is, was in complete disarray. You know, you've seen how much Raw suffered in the aftermath to it. And the li- you know, the likes of Elias going face, mm-hmm. random, like just out of nowhere. There was no build, it was just bang, <coughs> Elias's face. Ambrose went heel that night. You know, mm-hmm. Rollins became, like kept the IC title. It, when he was meant to lose it to a heel Elias, it was just, everything was in disarray. <coughs> Obviously, like you say, Brock Lesnar getting the belt hot shotted back to him. And obviously that, the uh, the unfortunate circumstances where Roman had to go led to booking decisions that have now harmed Braun Strowman further. So it's just, it's sort of a knock-on effect because it's, like Scott said, the top guy and it's came absolutely out of nowhere. Yeah, it's one of those things where as much as you might hate Roman as a top guy, you don't realise how important he is to the company as a whole until he's had to go away. Yeah. Well, it was, it was just weird that day because, like, 
he came out and normally if he does start off wrong, let's be honest, mm-hmm. he's normally yeah. one of the first people. Aye. And then it's like, oh no, Roman. And then when he came out and there's like civilians, if you're street clothes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like, mm, that's a bit weird. But the, the thing I was wondering is how many people knew about that the day, mm-hmm. that, that day? Because remember Stephen, our main host, did speak to Seth Rollins that day? Yeah, mm-hmm. on the phone. I think it's literally the day, like once a month. Because when he went yeah. backstage, it was like, no, well, not backstage. When he went to talk the ramp, it was like just Rollins was just in absolute tears. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Seth's face just sort of told the story because you know, like Quacku said, um, Stephen literally talked to Seth Rollins just earlier in the day over like a teleconference promoting uh, the next UK tour, and I think I don't think anybody bar a few management and executives knew about uh, about the leukemia. Yeah. I think it was, I think people were aware, like especially the Shield, they were aware that Roman was going to drop the title, but they just didn't know how. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think seeing Seth's face to that, that was yeah. that was a really heart-wrenching moment there. I think Quacko touches on a, an interesting point when you talk about the worst of 2018, you stuck on the predictability of Raw, because actually Raw, you pretty much can see, it would normally start with Roman coming out and then be followed with a half-hour match, which goes over three segments. And I don't know about you guys, but I find it really hard to get into matches when I know there's going to be two ad breaks in between it yeah. <laughs> as well. Yeah. I hate a, sorry, I hate a suicide dive on Raw or SmackDown because soon someone hits a suicide yeah. dive, you know, and we're going to an ad break. Well, you yeah. find a match in Raw or SmackDown that she doesn't have a suicide dive. Right. Right. <laughs> I think Rollins is sort of used on a regular basis, but yeah. That's one of those things where everybody's been talking about all year, it's been like the lead up to Mania and then they swerved it. It's almost like the whole year has been leading to Roman yeah. being the guy to dethrone Brock and as much as people hated the predictability of that, it finally happened. And before we could really move on to SNL spooking wise, everything that they've been building up to for much of the year, most of 2017 as well, mm-hmm. it's kind of been thrown out the window with this leukemia diagnosis. So. Yeah, it's like, you know, you spend the entire sort of three and a half years or how long he's been pushed for, mm-hmm. You just essentially hating the character. Obviously not hating Joe Anawahi because you know Joe Anawahi is a top man, some man. As well, we say here, been up to it, that he's, he's done all right. Yeah, he's, apparently he's getting better. Apparently, but... he was attributed to trips. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. Early, early backstage. I don't know if he's actually appeared, but apparently he was backstage. There were some rumours that he might be appearing on Raw a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. The hell of a pop when it comes back. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think we speak on behalf of everyone at ESSR when we wish. Uh, Roman Reigns a continuous speedy recovery and I hope he comes back fighting fit. Mm. So uh, yeah, uh, that's just a, sort of one of the saddest moments to kick off. But going from a truly heart-wrenching moment to something that was just a downright car crash, uh, I referred to it in the... Uh, <laughs> it only goes up from here, eh? Yeah, yeah pretty much, yeah. Get the sad stuff out of the way. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think this was a heavily suggested input from not just the team here, but also the listeners. Lashley sisters. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I know, I forgot about it. I forgot it happened and then I was like, oh, uh, until we were preparing for the show, I forgot it happened, thankfully. You know what? I think it was like, it was so bad. I think it was the only highlight of the Sami Zayn Lashley feud. Uh, Andy, what did you think of it when this came out on Raw? It was terrible. I, I watched it recently just to, and it was just, it's just so cringe. And it was like, Sami's trying his best to make it work and it's not happening. I remember, and then Lashley comes out and he's trying to make it work. And I remember, I can't remember who on commentary, just the laugh, and it's just like, Nobody else is reacting to it, and it's just like it's just. Oh, I quickly turned it off. I was so glad it was like I was done with it. Mm. Like it's just terrible. Yeah, there's uh, obviously there was rumours of Lashley coming back um, as a sort of mega powerhouse. Quacko, what did you um, what did you make of this? <laughs> right, first of all, the interview they did with Lashley was car crashing off. 
Uh, Roman Brunet, yeah. What they decided to do was bring in some HGV lorries, uh, bring in a monster truck, <laughs> bring in a tank, have them all collide in a big demolition derby that was Lashley Sisters with Zabby Sainan of us. Yeah, because I mean, I know you appreciate comedy wrestling, but this just wasn't comedy, was it? Was it oh. funny? Exactly, yeah. Why did anybody think this was a good idea? This, this whole feud was just a massive car crash because yeah. you had also the obstacle course that just came after mm, the oh, and oh, how stupid did Ashley look Ashley look in the obstacle yeah, course I need therapy <laughs> <laughs> if only we knew somebody in the panel that offered a therapy service you can't, I know you <laughs> can't put therapy on therapy <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, I didn't mind the obstacle course that much to be fair I'm not going to but the bit where he looked in the camera and he sizzles like it just looked like how it zoomed in his face. I think like if you zoom out, I have a feeling somebody's holding a gun to his like saying, Read this terrible script, read it now. Mm. This'll make you a face. It won't. Yeah. And the- Sammy Zane was not being paid nearly enough as he should have been for doing as much work as he did to try and make that segment work. Yeah, I think fair play to Sammy though, I think he tried to make it work and I think he's the sort of guy that Though the audience would sort of relate to a bit more, you know, he's sort of small stature guy, he's not ripped like a, a bodybuilder or anything, he just seems like your typical everyday guy you meet in the pub. Yeah. And I think the fact he was booked as the heel, I don't think this really helped this either, because no. Lashley just sort of decimated them when it came to their match. And Ross, Lashley was hyped, uh, there was rumours going around that he was hyped for this big return and that he was probably going to be the man to take down Brock Lesnar. I mean, it just went downhill. Right from the word go, didn't it? Yeah, it's the fact that. Did we get off the whole story? Yeah, I don't even think. I think they started on flat. There was the ground was as flat as Amsterdam for Christ's sake. <laughs> but um, they they brought him out. He gets the big pop because obviously he's the returning, you know, returning megastar. But he's always been a healing to you. It didn't work the first time around because you try to make him a face, and then they decided to just go with it again. And like Quacko mentions, the interview they did at first. Like a sit down with Bobby Lash, I think they were expecting like a Mick Foley style interview yeah. where they interviewed Mankind and it go and personality and got over. And you're just you're listening to it and it goes, Yeah, I love my sister. She used to beat me with a broom and lock me in a cupboard. <laughs> Great times, you're like Clearly your family fond memories and mine are much, much, much different. <laughs> Guys, I've tried to block this out more so much. I can't remember. Did this come after the match where uh, where Lashley beat Roman, or was it before? before that was before, before yeah. Before it was um, their first match was at Money in the Bank. It was just before that. Yeah, I, think. I just want to say, just generally, Lashley's booking because at that point, you know, this is where 50 50 booking really comes to play. Because Lashley gets the big win, you think, yeah, he's going to go on to something. And then the next night in Raw, he, he loses to Roman, and you're back to the start with Lashley being flat. Yeah, yeah. we talked about obviously booking. He came back, he, had, he was thrown into the Battle Royal. Uh, sorry, the Greatest Royal Rumble. He got eliminated after like five minutes. He had a random match with Sami Zayn the Raw before it to take him out of the show. He then had a god-awful tag match at Backlash where he teamed with Braun against Kevin and Sami, which was a glorified squash match. And then had uh, Money in the Bank and then obviously he's 50-50 booking. He beats Roman and gets beat by Roman. Like, surely we shouldn't have to have a number one contenders match with Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns mm-hmm. and Bobby Lashley won the night before mm-hmm. yeah. and he wasn't even on SummerSlam like like as well, even though he's doing better now as a heel and he's pairing with Leo Rush like he, like Lashley has to be one of the worst booked wrestlers because like all the hype of him coming in the big mm-hmm. pop the rumours of him challenging Lesnar even the rumours of Hulk Hogan raising his hand uh, and, oh. like, like that didn't happen mm-hmm. but yeah but, but that, going from that to now showing his arse on Raw 
Teaming with Leo Rush, who looks like Argyle, the limo driver from Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not going to get that image of my head out. But yeah, you I'll say... Like, I mainly say that because I watched Die Hard the other night. <laughs> uh, well, you say Lashley is one of the worst booked superstars of the year. I think we can agree with that. But we do have uh, a few other uh, terribly booked superstars, which we'll discuss uh, a bit later on. But going away from WWE for a moment, we're going to move over to Scottish wrestling. And this moment was... Uh, was suggested by quite a few people, both panelists and listeners alike, uh, where it was Stevie Boy's injury when he was at, at the peak of his reign as ICW World Champion. Now, me being me uh, as a part-time WWE employee, I know very little about Scottish wrestling. Part-time? I thought about Baz took all the power off you. <laughs> yeah, they took all the power off me. I'm just a low-level employee now. Do you not see that segment? We have all the power. We are the authority now, apparently. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Kwaku, um... Stevie Boy's injury at the peak of his world title reign, do you think it was brutal bad timing considering how well he was doing? He won this. Well, an injury is brutal bad timing any time, but yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's obviously just a shame. Like, it had to get a really big operation on his knee just to get to repair the stuff. Then. But it, like it was good to see him at Fear and Wolven coming out and mm-hmm. like supporting Kaylee and uh, also show respect to Viper. And he's let's be honest, he's had a stellar like end of twenty seventeen. He had a stellar year coming up to twenty eighteen, and it's just a shame that I mean when you look back at like Shucks that that match with DCT. Had the crowd on edge. Absolutely. Proper had Edward Jordan. And it's a shame that it turned out, obviously, he dropped the belt because he had to be cycling for a year. Hopefully, comes back even stronger, which I know he will because of the way he is. Yeah, I think, obviously, we talked about we did our past shows, we did matches, and we did wrestlers of the year. It shows how good his booking was the first six months of the year when a lot of people and a lot of fans mentioned. Stevie Boy is the wrestler of the year. He, he wrestled for seven months of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, he's missed the entire back end. He's missed the build up to their biggest show of the year. And yet, he is still in the conversation for the, one of the best wrestlers of the year. And I think the fact, the simple fact that he did it in one leg, you know, the. The catch uh, And the final fight. Yeah, yeah the, his final match, he did, did it in one leg, and you're like. Right, he's done that in one leg. He's kept the crowd in edge, as Kwaku said. He gave us a great match to end, like a, a great two nights of wrestling. Mm-hmm. You're hoping, as Kwaku says, he comes back stronger than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, he, he won the he won the square go and then cashed in to win the. What cashing that was? Yeah, yeah. so cashing. It's just a right, Gary. Would you not agree? Like you know, it was for, to get him started on such a big moment. The fact that it ended so soon was that the worst part of it? It was, and. We, we've been lucky enough to have a couple of interviews with Stevie, so we knew from the interviews that Stephen done with him how much it meant to him and how much he'd been working towards it. So on a personal level, to see somebody that's worked so hard for something to have it taken away so quickly, and the matches that that guy went through and he was building himself up from uh, the King and Insanity match, mm. um, and Quacko mentioned the, the cash-in and that crazy match at, um, at Barmania. Isn't it? And the match we talked about it when we had the um, the Shugs uh, review show that we did. Um, that the match against DCT was one of the the few occasions where a stipulation really adds incredible value oh, to yeah, the match because yeah. of that one you really couldn't tell where it was going with mm-hmm. the loser leave turn part of it. I didn't know going into it um, that Stevie was injured and based on his performance. Uh, 
I think it speaks well, credit to. Couldn't tell. To, it speaks absolute volumes to the guy, doesn't it? We only noticed well, it was like bandaged up a bit more, but that yeah. was Yeah, definitely. It seemed like he had a very good time, but as rumours go, he was actually meant to go on to the, the hydro and like re- re- and defend it against Lionheart, which probably would have been a good. Uh, and also. Apparently, around the same time, right before he got injured, or maybe in the same time he got injured, he was competing for Defiant and their Ringmaster tournament, which is maybe a thing designed to bring in new people to Defiant, which maybe in his way into getting into England more, because he's probably more well known up in Scottish Island, but it was just he was a bit to get introduced to like, England's wrestling fans. Well, he, he was on the World of Sport, uh, <laughs> and that was before the injury. I think yeah. I like, spoke to him and he was like, saying he was glad that he managed to get booked for World of Sport because... Like, I think he was a bit of Branches Appeal more wider of UK rather than just Scotland, and, like, yeah. again, which makes us injured even worse. It's well, he's... He was also PBW champion. You know, two of the, he still is. Yeah, obviously, they've not taken it very often because yeah, the reasoning behind that was... They said he's earned it. We're not going to have someone. A good uncut fight for a second. We, we, yeah. we won't have someone take it as a token, you know. But he's he was the champion of PBW. He was the champion of ICW. He is only what, 24, 25? 25 now. Yeah, and obviously that's these injuries can sometimes be career enders, and it, it was a heartbreak to see someone, you know, mm. top of two promotions, mid mid twenties, get a, an injury that could seriously hamper a career. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's a shame that he had to come at a worse time, you know, during the peak of his title run. But again, like, uh, like, um, also with Roman Reigns, we all show a Stevie Boy a speedy recovery and hope he bounces back from this sort of mini setback. So going back to WWE now, and there's a lot of WWE moments that are were bad this year. <laughs> so I think this will be the the trend going forward. Um, I think this is this next name just pretty much sums up how bad it was. Ellsworth. <laughs> Uh, Scott, James Ellsworth returning. Was I, this just I, I, was this worth it at all? I was furious. He, he, he this was the beginning of my downfall on the Money in the Bank sweepstake. I was doing quite well until he showed up and cost. Uh, <laughs> and people tried to calm me down and tell me I ran for chin up, but there was no there was no chinning <laughs> up after this. Uh, just keep your chin up there, Scott. Uh, Andy, were you uh, watching Money in the Bank? No, I didn't. I didn't. I I just saw the highlights, and it's just because oh, it's like he's just standing there, and then he takes the mask off, and it's just he's still standing there. It's like and it's what, the wink, the wink. Oh, the wink. Yeah, oh, it's, so it's just an ugly man. Mm. <laughs> it was just it made Asuka look so stupid. It was like that Spider-Man meme. Yeah. Was it Spider-Man? It was like a villain from Scooby-Doo. It's just awful. Old man, Ellsworth. And of all people, why would Asuka be phased by Ellsworth? Wearing her... Ring, like, ring entrance attire. I don't like, think maybe it's like, hey, it's going to smell like you. There's footage of her online in Japan getting the shit kicked over by Minoru Suzuki, one of the scariest men alive, and she's distracted by Ellsworth. A, a man with no chin. I know. Like, <laughs> Ellsworth looks like a slug halfway through being dissolved by a pile of salt. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, he's a creepy, creepy bastard. Yeah, that's good by us. It was what? No, 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 no. We got certain power. I was going to say. I guess I'm going to use that now. <laughs> 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 he showed up randomly when he, when he left the week. And about for glory, Eli did put a challenge. Anyway, for New York, Elder come out, who's not from New York, but he did say, I did used to date a girl from Staten Island. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, when Ellsworth got released for WWE first time round, he posted quite a nice statement. I yeah. remember mm. talking about getting to live, live the dream. 
And in a way, it's it's really unfortunate that when he's left, there's very few people that are saying, oh, that's a shame, the yeah. second time round. There's so much about it. Um, he had the shark cage. Oh, we'll get uh, to that. And <laughs> um, he also, had, when he did get in the ring this time round, some of the matches he was involved with were absolutely terrible. Yeah, I remember like, he had a terrible match with Becky, which... It was such was a disappointment compared to his first run, because in his yeah. first run he was... You know, I mean, sure he was a bit of a comedy character, but at least he made it work. I mean, the second time, any time you got in a ring, you just think, oh God, not again. Yeah, like, like, yeah it, it does seem very, very, very unsafe in a ring, because every time Styles went into the Styles class, you see AJ kicking his head back every time. Mm-hmm. He was... It just, it just doesn't look natural. And it's a part of been wrestling for 10 years. And it's just... Like, we, we don't like being armchair because you're armchair trainers. But it's just like, you're not safe at all in a wrestling ring. You should not be in a wrestling ring. Like, I remember when he left the first time, uh, he did a talkie chair going interview, and it was really good. He told some great stories about his first run, and that almost made you feel bad that he got released. Like, he told the story about when Cass was out injured, and he was teamed with Carmella. Wrestlers would kind of goad him on a text, uh, Cass joking, making jokes about Carmella, like, hey, I'm hanging out with your girlfriend or something like that. Mm. And uh, like he said, how he made all his suggestions, like don't fat, well, let me go east because of Carmel thing, like let me go at two or five live or stuff like that. And made me feel bad for him. Yeah, and then yeah. he cost me my sweet to get mine in the bank, and I wish death upon him. Yeah, <laughs> it, at least in that moment. I think I think he was sort of just brought back to try and give Carmela a bit of a boost because her women's title run was a bit lackluster, wasn't it? But the fact that he was there and gone, you know, if, if you blinked, you'd have missed him. I don't think anybody's missing him now. But uh, fact but, that our appearing with our truth is a step up from anybody. Mm. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you know our truth is working so well with Carmella, I think that's it saves her in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually tweeted that for when we were live tweeting TLC mm-hmm. that who'd have thought at the start of the year if you said, by the way, we're going to put Carmella and our truth together, that it would work so well because Carmella was a despised heel. Yeah. People would sort of be annoyed at our truth sort of corny booking, and at the end of the year, it's like our truth is in terms of gold dust at looking better with age. Mm-hmm. He's He's still got amazing timing, and Carmella is so good as like the sort of the Oliver Hardy in Stan Laurel. (laughs) I mean, you know, I think the fabulous truth is actually one of the best things to come out of our next moment, which I think, you know, it it really wasn't as good compared to the first time around. Um, Our next uh, moment is the mixed match challenge, largely because you know it's there were I think it was cursed by. Too many injuries and too many people were getting replaced. Gary, um, were you paying attention to the mixed match challenge at all? Yeah, we, we I, Lucy and I watched it all the time. She, particularly the first season. Um, but I was just checking there. There was ten teams that started it, and of those ten, only five of them stayed as the actual pairings to the end. So we had uh, Alexa and Braun started and it finished as Ember Moon and Kurt Hawkins. I mean, <laughs> so I, mean so I, 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 I can't even process that. That is <laughs> madness. There were so many the of them. And the, as, uh, we touched, uh, uh, we were chatting earlier on about the, the pairings on them and the way that the actual story is. So AJ Styles, the night he lost the WWE title to Brian Daniel Bryan, was supposed to be wrestling in the mixed match challenge that night, so it made no sense for him to mm. go from one to the other, and he he didn't. He was replaced by Jeff Hardy on that one. Sorry, I'm just noticing that. I called you, you know, James Bond. Uh, you, <laughs> you called you James Bond earlier, and then you went Brian. 
done yet, but I can. I did it. One thing, Sam, we talk about for work if you introduce yourself, you do the reverse bond, so you introduce, you say your first name twice, because quite often if you're networking, you meet people, you'll forget about it. So, Gary. 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 I don't understand. God, what's that work in marketing will ever riot? Yeah, Gary, you mentioned that you know some great teams such as, you know, AJ Styles and Charlotte Flair and Team Little Big was back, but we also had Miz and Ask returning as well uh, Ross do you think uh, this was done as effectively given that you know a lot of these big names were sort of involved in sort of more high profile storylines do you think it would have been better if there were more sort of mid to lower carders in this sort of tournament I mean I can see why they do it because obviously it's a it's an easy tournament to do it's fun pairings and it's on Facebook so they get the Facebook money however when we're complaining about Raw being three hours, but have not having three hours of content to fill. When SmackDown, you know, sometimes you know has spells where it's just dire. Then why are we not putting the Mix Max Challenge on TV normally? Mm-hmm. But that's the issue. It's like I, I don't. I've not watched it because it's just there's too much to yeah. watch. Mm. So it's, nine it's hours a week. WWE's nine yeah, hours of content a week. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's like I don't. They don't realise less is more. Like if they just. I just remember the days where it was like two hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown. See, there's a thing though, it's like Gary's talking about obviously WWE TV. They've got five hours of normal TV on Sky or the USA Network or whatever it is you're watching. But then on WWE Network alone, you're expected to watch Main Event, Mixed Match Challenge, 205 Live, NXT, and NXT NXT UK. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just too much. And like you said, high profile feuds, surely. Maybe getting a couple of, like the 205 Live guys we've talked about not being used enough. Maybe get some of them in, like Kalisto and Sasha Banks actually do have a natural rapport because they are a, our friends outside the ring. Mm-hmm. Put them together. See, that, that, it's, booking like that, that would work yeah. well. Like, And obviously, uh, Kwaku, I think with the Mixed Match Challenge, you take much more of a comedy angle to it. Mm-hmm. Do you think it, that they sort of kept that up this time or do you think it wasn't as effective? It was as effective as the first time. I'll, I'll tell you what the biggest gripe I had with Mixed Match Challenge. You had the amazing moment of rose gold, and they did nothing with it. Yeah, absolutely nothing with it. Was gold was not out with injury though. Gold, gold does, yeah, but he was injured later on. But they did nothing with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Was this was this round not though? Like last year's was it not a, a round robin to like, uh, it? Was no, last year's was a last year's was a, a knockout tournament with yeah. someone returning. But this was like a it was this was a league format which then became a uh, knockout tournament. And I, I couldn't keep track of it. Well, the league the, the, it made no sense because the final was our truth and Carmella versus Jinder and Alicia. Mm, two teams. And in the knockout were... round, Jinder and Alicia and our truth and Carmella only won one match. Yeah, I mean, it's just well, baffling to think like how could those two teams, two that had the worst win loss ratios in the league stage. Yeah. Why Why were they in the final? Well, mainly because probably they're the few, the, two of the few teams that didn't have someone get injured have to be replaced. Yeah. The only ones to stay yeah. together. Like, and nobody else. Was, sorry, Scott. Sorry. Yeah. And like, Team Will, like got switched it so many times it became like Trigger's broom for only fills and horses had so many head, different heads and handles it's not the same broom anymore. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. But yeah, it just it was a complete mess, you know, with all these replacements, injuries, etc., etc. But um, yeah, so... That was a handful of uh, some of our, our worst moments there. Um, sorry, Scott, you are going to say something? So, uh, the, apparently, another reason apparently our truth and Carmella so far is apparently their dance bait's got big numbers on Facebook Watch or something like that. Aye. And 
we talk about all the hours of content you think about less is more, well they're clearly going off the, the principle they made mentioned in Fraser. If less is more, how much more will more be? Mm. Uh, yeah, just, just before we move on to the worst book superstars, uh, Gary, I think you were the only person to put this one in, I'll just give it a quick mention. Um, your one of your worst moments was Naomi eliminating Bailey to win oh. the uh, WrestleMania historic women's battle royal. Oh God! Um, I don't imagine Lucy was too happy with that. No, so we went from a moment of elation. Well, clearly going into WrestleMania, disappointed that the part Bailey was playing and Bailey getting beat in the semi-finals and pinned in the semi-finals of the mixed match challenge. Mm. Maria Alicia Fox, it's just not cool. Um, <laughs> That's not cool. <laughs> But then, so this eight, she was eight at the time, Quacker, jumping up and down, going, <laughs> going crazy, um, thinking that Bailey'd won for Naomi, like a sneaky heel uh, to appear from nowhere, having spent nearly the entire match outside of the ring. Yeah. Did you ever full Bailey gear on and everything? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like how you asked, did she have her full Bailey gear? I still wear my full rock gear and hope that she was on everything. Yeah. Painted on eyebrow and everything. I mean, three yeah. I mean, is available. Go to five D and wear the actual attire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, but yeah, just in terms of booking, it made no sense. If that was like Jerry the King Lawler back mm-hmm. in the day to appear from nowhere, or a comedy character, yeah. Yeah, a comedy character like Santino no, did no, at, no, at the no, Royal no, Rumble. <laughs> But for Naomi, who was supposed to be this uh, sort of same, proper face to do it. Same with Bailey as well. Same with they're they're both faces, so it's not as if it's a, a cocky heel getting his comeuppance yeah. or a heel yeah. sneaking back into win. It, it's it makes no sense. Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was just a handful of uh, some of our favourite moments. We're now going to go into with moments, uh, worst moments. So right, I'll write it down. Botch. <laughs> Living up to my moniker there, but yeah. So that was some sure, of our, we're in the best of the week. That was some of our favourite worst moments uh, of the year. <laughs> so that's what I should have said. Now, now we're going to move on to um, the superstars of the year that we felt have been the worst uh, booked. So we're going to start off with quite an obvious one. Who someone who had a pretty good start to the year and a good end to the year, but everything else in the middle was just <laughs> rank rotten. Asuka. So. Um, Scott, I'll start with you on this one. I'm surprised you managed to narrow this down, the worst book stores as much as you did. Oh, honestly, I had a, a lot of suggestions for worst book, and that could only narrow it yeah. down to a handful here. It's like, like those first three months, she won the Rumble, she was a big big match, a very good match at Mania. She won the Women's TLC match, a great match. So just that big eight-month gap in between where she was doing bugger hole. Yeah. And the stuff she did do was not good. Although it was quite entertaining to see her beat the hell out of the Miz in the Mixed Match Challenge. That was pretty funny, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ross, uh, what did you think of Asuka's uh, post-mania booking? Uh, pretty disastrous. We always talk about the the risk of an undefeated run because when you when you build a superstar up, it's sort of like it has to be someone like you know we talked about. I was definitely a fan of it, but others weren't. The Rock ended CM Punk's reign. That went so long, you know. Goldberg's reign ended at Kevin Nash, and it was under dodgy circumstances, and you're just like. You go from having someone who can't be pinned, so it hampers matches, to now, oh, well, we can beat them, so it doesn't really matter. But then mm. the losses start to pile up and the booking start. Like, she just. Uh, it was like Sasha Banks at WrestleMania 32. She was the hottest thing going in the women's division at that time. And after WrestleMania, she disappeared, and so did Asuka. She got drafted to SmackDown. Charlotte and uh, Carmella. Carmella started their feud. And then she didn't really appear again until like two weeks before Money in the Bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when she was feuding with Carmella. And we obviously we, uh, we mentioned the Ellsworth return and yeah. the, the disastrous shark cage match. And then she's and I I like the Iconics, but the Iconics are meant to be defeated. Are the Iconics 
win handicap matches, matches where mm. where the odds are on their side. They don't beat Naomi, who you could put her down for horrendously booked. One battle royal win. Man, that, she's, she's not really rolled with it, has she? Yeah, and she's disappeared. They're losing a you know the iconics. She gets eliminated fairly easy by Nia Jax. In all fairness, though, the iconics match was in Australia, so I mean, yeah, but maybe, maybe I mean, just wanted to. I mean, if we're going to start talking about hometown matches in wrestling, I mean, we'll be here for a while because <laughs> I mean, the rule is you don't win in your hometown. I mean, Buddy Murphy had a much bigger moment, so I think if they had just had him win, then like, or just had them pin Naomi, not Asuka. Yeah, because they slated yeah, uh, Melbourne because they. They, they say that we prefer Sydney because that's where they're from, I think. Ross, you talked about the undefeated streak there, and the thing with these is like when you end it, you need to have a plan of what you're going to do with that person next, because Asuka's character had built, been built largely upon the undefeated streak, so when that finished, they needed a plan, and they had no plan. So they, as you touched on, they, she then got drafted, they did nothing, she came back, had the feud with Carmella, Needed the win against Carmella, I think, particularly at the Shark Cage match, didn't get it, went into this pointless tag team with Naomi, and then much to the surprise of WWE management when Becky was going round the ring looking at all the female superstars who was going to take her place, came to Asuka and the crowd popped. So the fans still loved her um, and wanted to see her um, taken more seriously again. And thankfully, that reaction is hopefully going to lead on to the rehabilitation of Asuka. Yeah, rumor has it that that pop, um, yeah. which was an option for Rousey, uh, was actually the catalyst that yeah. got Asuka back to the women's title match. And I think, you know, obviously, fan response has essentially saved her for the mm. end of this year. So I think, well, Asuka's now SmackDown Women's Champion after winning. The TLC, the first ever historic women's TLC match. It's almost as if they were listening or stooping in our notes to know that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, but moving away from uh, Asuka, who we hope has a, David. a much. Yeah, sorry, Ross. Andy, yeah. I've got an opinion on it, Scott. Oh, sorry, Andy. All I was going to say is like, uh, Asuka is uh, a perfect example of someone who's done great in NXT, gets to the main roster, and they're not really too sure what to mm-hmm. do with her. Fair enough, she won. She's very first uh, women's Royal Rumble winner. Mm-hmm. And that led up between that and Mania is always quite interesting, but when she lost, it was like, as you all say, it was like, yeah. what now? There was, there was no one else who could have won that rumble other than her, really, was there? I don't think there was. No, I think, I like, I like, as was the case with any NXT. Yeah, yeah. Shadow by, as was the case with any NXT call-ups, their booking on the main roster is usually uh, not as good as what they were down in NXT. But I don't think anybody. Um, Amplifies that statement more than our next worst boot superstars, and as a tag team, the revival. Say yeah. <laughs> say yeah. Can I just say, there's one moment that sums it up perfectly. They cut to the audience in the usual thing, and then as soon as the Lucha House Party music comes on, and there's nothing against Lucha House Party because I love them, so you see one guy that they focus on sigh. And that was a perfect example of how frustrating it is for Revival. Mm. I've said my thing. Alright, hey, thanks Craig. But yes, um, when the Revival sort of got brought up to the, the main roster at the end of last year, the pop was, was outstanding. I loved it. Yeah, but then obviously there'd been like uh, plague by injuries and, you know, ever since then I don't think they ever found yeah. their groove. Gary, um, ever since, you know, I think for most of 2018, they've just been, essentially they should just be called the, the burial, don't you think? 
Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's something cleverer than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that would that would. I'm just going to bluntly. That's all. <laughs> the the injuries. I mean, how unfortunate the injuries for for wanting to get injured and then come back and then for the other one to get injured is just really unfortunate. But the booking, the B team. Quacko mentioned Lucha House Party. It makes no sense when you've got a heel GM. Why would the heel GM put the heel tag team in the disadvantage role against Lucha House Party? Mm-hmm. It just it made no sense. And yeah, you would think every so often you would get this little tease, oh, perhaps the Revival are going to get treated properly, and then no, they would lose the number one contender match or whatever it was. Yeah, so uh, Ross, uh, with the revival, you know, there always seems to be a case of uh, so close yet so far, and then when that doesn't happen, they just get buried again. Do you think this has just been very sort of stop start for yeah. one of the best tag teams that so, WWE's seen? So they start the new year with three wins in a row on Raw. They're on Raw three weeks in a row, and you're like, yes, here we go. And then you just kind of realise they start slagging old school teams, and Raw's 25th anniversary is coming up, and you're just like, no, it's going to be the Ascension again, and then they get buried by DX and the NWO. I mean, fair enough, see if it's Shawn Michaels and Triple H that can still move. Fine, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, even... what, what makes you say they can't move? Obviously, people have slated Triple H in years for maybe getting a bit slower. My God, he's Usain Bolt compared to Kevin Nash. Jesus. <laughs> but, so then they get back on a, they get back on track. They win the the pre-show, they beat, they get their own back on the club, who are also another terribly booked team. Mm-hmm. And then, it starts getting to WrestleMania season, and there's that wee tease. They've got Sheamus and Cesaro, we beat every team, we beat every yep. team. And then the Twitter rivalry starts, and then they just go, oh by the way, see Raw two weeks before Mania, we're just gonna have Revival v Sheamus and Cesaro, five minute match, it's done, and it's just, it was so pointless, and yeah. mm. obviously the number one contenders now, I mean, we put David put the script together and then Raw decides to change their direction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We could put the whole tag team division in worst moment of twenty eighteen. Oh, I mean obviously like yeah, Gary makes an excellent point, you know, we could say the B team's tag title run was just with fluky wins all the time, that just makes them look like mm-hmm. look like idiots. See the see the worst thing is though. See the obviously the raw tag team division. It's just been thrown together teams because it was Nicholas and Strowman. It was <laughs> Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. It was then the B team who were Mrs. Lackeys. Then it was Drew and Dolph. By the way, we talk about worst things, pay-per-views. The past four uh, tag team title changes on Raw, uh, or for the Raw tag team titles, have all taken place on Raw. The past two WWE title changes Mm -hmm. taking place on SmackDown. Smackdown, What is the point in watching pay-per-view? Drew and Dolph flung together. Shield flung back together. Authors of Pain, poorly booked, and then, oh, by the way, you've got a handicap match. Rude and Gable mm-hmm. thrown together. The most mismatched tag team of all. Lucha, well, House, Party, <laughs> Lucha House Party are just. Uh, they are all, I think they're awful. Like, uh, they're almost bit like a heel team, aren't they? Because yeah. yeah, they're in the, the, the handicap side, which has got more people. It's What was Survivor Series all about? Kelly still gets injured, and then they just go. Uh, uh, let's uh, see, like, you get there. You, you stand up in the apron, like, no, they're eliminated! <laughs> One of the things, like, they're the kind of people, like, there's somebody in, like, a title scene who you want to put this belt, the people, the fans want to build on, but then he's like, no, not yet, we've got this plan, if they can call it that plan in the television, mm. but this kind of thing where they realise, like, we need Strowman, the Strowman thing to happen, because they've beaten all the teams, and they suddenly realise, oh, they haven't beaten Revival yet, we need to 
make sure they've beaten the revival so we can say they've beaten everybody. Mm-hmm. And then they want to do Matt and Bray together, which is fine. And then the B team thing went on longer and it should have, they should have been the ones to beat the B team and then also they don't want to do heel v heels with Drew and Dolph. But hopefully, much like Asuka, you can end the year on a good note because they're now the world, the number of contenders. Yeah, Seth Rollins gave them a wee nod as well during his uh, sort yeah. of mini pipe bomb against Corbin. So uh, here's hoping you know things pick up for them as well in 2019. Now we've got one more superstar to discuss quite briefly before we go into a short break. Um, a man who had an Iron Man performance in the Royal Rumble, and that's been about it for him this year. Uh, Finn Balor. I mean, where do we start with uh, Andy? Where do we start with him? You know, he's had a few good good moments on pay-per-view but on Raw he's, he's just yeah, floundering so, so I don't know what to do was it, was it this year or was it last year where it was like he was getting bigged up to face Paul, uh, Paul Heyman getting bigged up to <laughs> face uh, Brock Lesnar uh, there was rumours he would face Lesnar right. at Wrestlemania yeah, this and, year. Then, and then all of a sudden they just they just don't know what to do it's, it's just another thing of they've just got this talented guy is it just a thing because he's not as tall as like others or something like that I, I don't get the issue it's just, he, he basically fits the 205 bracket doesn't he yeah. he at the Rumble 2018 which is why they threw the mismatch triple threat together but I think I guess like they didn't think he was over enough. They thought, probably thought like Brock's beating guys like Joe and uh, Braun. Who's gonna believe that he can't beat when Finn Balor? Like, well, he just had a great match with AJ Styles. People will buy into it. Yeah, because didn't they just throw them together? I can't remember when that was. Was it last year? I don't what, know. Brock versus Finn? No, no, Finn and AJ were just for... Uh, oh, no, that was TLC, TLC yeah. 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 TLC it's last year, yeah. yeah and, it's, so. and it's like, it's just don't got his uh, rematch yet. No, he got it on Raw. Did he? It was yeah, yeah, against Roman, like, yeah, night after Mania. SummerSlam thing. We, we talk about, obviously, people that... Can't, like, blinking you'll miss at returns or blinking you'll miss at moments. If you missed that Raw that week, you would have missed AJ Styles... Eh, sorry, Finn Balor's rematch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. things, like, they clearly know that the whole thing about him not having his rematch is a problem because they mentioned it in the lead up to the triple threat like Miz played a video package taking the piss out of Seth and, and it showed a couple of Finn saying I'm going to get my title back and he just goes we're still waiting for that mm. that's why he was trying to win the IC title and then this whole Seth problem with the belt came out of nowhere yeah. at least he got his rematch with the Universal Championship after SummerSlam so and, then did, was... and went back right back to doing nothing yes. trying to like, do better on Smackdown or... I think uh, I think a move to Smackdown would do him some good but you know there is a fun fact about it as well Finn Balor actually hasn't lost a one-on-one match on pay-per-view since SummerSlam 2016. So, I mean, that just goes to show, you know, on pay-per-view, he, he does really well uh, in a one-on-one scenario, but it just seems like in multi-man matches or big moments on, say, Raw, for example... You know, this feud with Baron Corbin, oh my oh, god! Oh, no, the never-ending Corbin feud. Although, we, it was a nice one where he did get to see the demon at SummerSlam. Yeah, no, <clears throat> like, like, I think he actually was meant to win the IC title at Mania. I think he and... Miz were made a thing that Alex Chamber could be the Miz Tried Free Balor Club and it would lead to the one on one match at Mania. I think it's because Jordan was maybe the sixth man in the chamber and he got injured and that was going to lead to Jordan v. Seth. That's why they had to put the two in the chamber and make it a seven man. I think because Seth didn't have anything, they put him in the. I'm pretty sure he probably won the IT because of his his performance in the gauntlet match. So I think Mm. Seth has had a good year but kind of expensive guys like Finn. In a way, it's quite, it's quite remarkable that Finn is still as popular as he is mm-hmm. with the fans because he's, he's, his gimmick is that he, he, he's a happy, smiley guy who <laughs> fans cheer. Yeah, it's he's a bit of a rebel, is he, with a leather jacket as well? He's uh, incredible in the ring. He's one of these fo- folks where you know when he's wrestling in Raw, you're getting a 20, 30 minute match <clears throat> um, all the time. And what I'm about to say will probably go down like a lead balloon with this particular odd with you guys. but. When Balor and Drew were about to wrestle at TLC, I, I, I said to Lucy, I, I don't care about this match, and I really should. Mm-hmm. There's just something about the build-up to it and the investment in the characters. There's no 
there's no extra layers to Balor. He is what you know about him now is probably as much as we knew about him when he debuted and Raw. They've done nothing to enhance or embellish the character or to do anything to make you really care. Do you know how I got my buy into that? I just thought of uh, Finn Balor, Hits and Drew with uh, Jester Sex Toy. And I thought, yeah, <laughs> Drew is finally getting his revenge for that. Just that one by DQ, Balor clearly kicked that chair out into Drew. <laughs> And TLC. I did actually. I saw that. I like, I drew the sweeps for that one as I well. I know. I'm not. I'm not biased because I clearly had drawn the sweeps for that. <laughs> yeah. See something that I thought I had drawn was raging, and then kind of checked the sweeps and went, "Oh, I'm still in the sandbox standing." Right. But I see something I hate. It's see when a performer gets their rematch on a Raw SmackDown, and I don't mean like when there's like eight weeks to the Rumble or eight weeks to the next pay per view. I mean like when there's three weeks to the next pay per view, and it's like. You're getting your rematch the next night in Raw or two nights later on SmackDown. That that to me symbolises your storyline with the title is over. And I think the they're just trying to cut your yeah, lazy booking, aren't they? Yeah, I think the the Raw thing was like, right. I tell you what, see if we just put this match together. It'll be a good match. It's a hot crowd in Brooklyn. Roman and uh, Finn are great together, and then it can just shut them up, and we can get this mm. over with. But yeah, so. Yeah, Finn Balor's not been a great year. A few hot, uh, hot spot moments, but yeah, I think I think if he could pull out another Iron Man Royal Rumble performance, I think hopefully it'll bring him back into contention. But uh, that's going to do it for the first half here. We're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we'll be discussing another round of worst booked superstars, and after that, we'll have some uh, some of the worst matches that we've seen all year. Uh, but uh, I hate to sort of bring up something that a lot of you blocked out your mind earlier on, but for this break segment, we're going to revisit the segment with Sami Zayn and Lashley's sisters. So hope you want, hope you listen to this through gritted teeth. Uh, bear with it, and we'll see you in a few minutes. Hi, this is James Ellsworth, Duh, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. A few weeks ago, Bobby Lashley looked right into the camera, and he professed his undying love for his sisters, but... Something didn't smell right. So could you please just explain, first of all, just explain why growing up you had to carry this broom around everywhere you went. Well, when we were younger, Bobby was mean to all of us. And for some reason, he loved to pick on me. And as a young woman, I couldn't defend myself. So I grabbed the closest thing to me, my mama's broom. And I used it to swat that snarling little menace away from me. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Now, Francis, I understand, obviously, the broom for self-defense, but could you explain why you had to grow up carrying that helmet everywhere you went? I carried my helmet because Bobby would take his knuckle and he would hit me on the top of my head as hard as he could. And he made me cry until I saved my money. I went to the Army-Navy store and I bought this helmet. And then he couldn't thump me on the head anymore. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you to know when enough was enough. Can I just say that I, I commend your bravery, dare I say, your heroicism. And a Jessica, obviously this all makes sense, a broom for self-defense, a helmet for self-protection, but I mean the towel. Could, could you explain why you would have to grow up carrying a towel with you everywhere you went? 
Well, it's real easy. Bobby would hurt my feelings. He made me feel so bad. He would make me cry. A tissue, a Kleenex wasn't enough. He made me cry so many times that by the end of the night, this thing was sopping wet. You are hilarious, Sammy. This is great. I love it. And I thank you for doing this for me. You couldn't have been any better of a friend, Sammy. Thank you. Maybe you would like it more if I halluva kicked you in the face right now and threw you out of this ring like a piece of garbage. Okay, because that is what your family thinks of you. They think you are garbage. Now the fun and games are over, and now look at this. The uh, Bobby's sisters are beating the crap out of him. And it's a four-on-one assault. Sami Zayn leading the charge. Oh, that smile is long gone now. And now Lashley powers out, and here comes Lashley. And Bobby Lashley's had enough. Well, down goes Kathy, and... Francis and Jessica. So I don't know what else to call them. I mean, that, that's their name. That's what the tags say. Oh, no. Not the helmet. Oh, no! Oh. And look at Lashley go. Oh, oh my God. God. Can you imagine well. what family reunions are like in the Lashley household? I don't think Bobby's done yet. Oh. Sammy Zane told me before that Bobby Lashley's parents ran away from home. Trying to figure, figure out exactly which word it was that Sammy Zane said. I think it's garbage, coach. I think it's when he called. Bobby Lashley that. Yeah, that's going to be my one word for the new hour, garbage. And Bobby Lashley is not done yet. Hey. And going to sweep out the garbage. Oh, no, not with the broomstick. Not the broomstick, Lashley. That is not <laughs> an easy way to go over the top rope. Oh, the witch flew away. Well, cleared out the ring. I don't think uh, Sami Zayn's going to win a Murrow Award for that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I am your friendly neighborhood micro-host, David Hockney, and this is the worst of 2018 episode, and I'm joined by the worst of ESSR, uh, Gary, Scott, Andy, Ross, and Quacko. Hosted by the worst host of the SSR. Every time you say micro host, you think you said micro penis. Screw you. <laughs> Screw you both, actually. Yeah, I'm not taking any of that. Uh, Ross, <laughs> Ross, I hear you, um, a certain goat face has tw tweeted in to us as well. Yes. Um, Some fan. Yes, uh, in preparation of our, our Rumble quiz, we have a rivalry heating up. Uh, Andy Mitchell and. Uh, <laughs> GPW. <laughs> yes. GP, the, the, the brand that I 
own, essentially. No, Nathan owns it. <laughs> I, I took over, I took over. You're the Dixie Carter to his Jeff Jarrett. I am not, so, tell yourself. They go to his tweet <laughs> in and told Andrew that um, the only thing that's going to be taken away is your pride and dignity when I destroy you at the Royal Rumble quiz. Sick of this, I gave you your shot bullshit. I'm not coming to bite your hand, I'm coming for your fucking head. <laughs> he's he's a big man when he's like a thousand... Shots fired. Oh, he's a big man when he's a uh, thousand miles away, but when he's there next was, to me, he'll need a ladder just so he can reach my level. There was some more before that, folks, um, where he started off by saying, with the likes of Crooked Cockney and the always irksome Andy Mitchell, <laughs> yeah, no, no, this statement of the rest of the ESSR is true. <laughs> I mean, I'm not crooked as well, I'm, I'm fully reformed. He likes us. Me and, he likes me and Ross. Yeah. Ah, because you're a bunch of Roscoes and stuff. Yeah, yes, he likes, uh, he likes me and Scott, and he also actually... But he, he doesn't see test, that's why. I, 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 I think he... Oh, fuck you, Ricks. Fuck you, Fraser. At least I'm dressed up. <laughs> right, anyway, 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 so, right, come on, we're going off topic here. Let's get back on track here. Um, we've got one more superstar. Uh, we've debated it amongst ourselves as a panel and amongst the listeners as well. I think we've had a few people mention this man. Um, we've decided that our last worst book superstar of the year is Kevin Owens. You know, I think some of the folks said Sammy Zayn as well, but I think, you know, Sammy got injured a bit earlier on in the year and Kevin Owens has had to endure a bit more. I mean, has it just been a bad year for, for Kevin Owens overall, Gary? Yes. Yes. Um... He suffers a little bit for being a bit overexposed and having quite a run of poorly, poor stories or poor feuds back to back. And then there was the moment where he quit and he thought, oh, there's a little sort of glimmer of hope here, something good might happen of that. And then the next week it was back to normal. Mm. Well, it's just like, why? why? Just why? What a wasted opportunity. So, yeah, uh, Andy, do you think Kevin Owen should have done that quitting angle when he was written off for injury? Do you think that would have yeah, worked better? Yeah, because how long was he away for? Like a week or something like that? Oh, he was away for a week and then he came back the next <laughs> week. I just kind of, because I thought, oh, this would be interesting. He's like, oh, he's back. And I was like, right, so what now? I don't know. Just, yeah, it's like, got you. Yeah, like, like the fourth thing with Sammy going away, it kind of just left. Kevin just wandering around, left to be like beat up by Braun Strowman every week. He's just in Braun's punching bag. And, like the whole thing we have in Sammy, like, we had two opportunities to make a good storyline. We have one being, or sorry, three, one being when he and Sammy got fired, they could have shredded that out when Stephanie just brings about like they had that bit where Kurt said, I hear TNA is hiring. Like, I wanted him to go to like Kevin to go to 205 Live and try to suck it in, hook in his stomach to try and pull up to convince him that he's 205. Like, Kevin, you're clearly not 205. But, uh, the bit where he could have easily had him win the money in the bank get the bronze qualified rather than getting squashed by him and then the quitting angle could have went on for a while and he's came back a week later but yeah. missed opportunity after missed opportunity although I think before he started going up before he went off with his uh, injury Ross he was walking with Elias for a bit do you think those two made a good pairing? oh they were brilliant the Elias has obviously suffered as well from mm. the book and then he unfortunately has had to go face now due to the Roman thing we mentioned earlier but yeah. mm. my god the two of them, it's like <laughs> the only thing I can describe as see if you watch back the the rock concert where he slags Sacramento and the Lakers getting uh, beating the Kings and the crowd, or when he slates Toronto mm-hmm. and the crowd just turn on this guy. Kevin Owens is a sort of like, indie darling. Elias is the funny heel. They all love him, and then with an instance, they just went bang, the worst, yeah, and turn. 
turned the entire crowd against him. You couldn't hear it. And it's Kevin's smug face as he just sits there and goes, Oh yeah, we did it. We, we'll sit here, you boo us all you want, you know, we still get paid. For that teacher, it's your own time you're wasting. <laughs> that was my point, like, my point I was going to say, like that Seattle, mm-hmm. when they said, eh, just like Seattle don't deserve a basketball team. And <laughs> the geniusness of that is such a simple line. And they had to turn on the lights because the fans were rioting so much. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who, eh, you know who deserves a basketball team? Oklahoma, just basically saying exactly what yeah, happened. I didn't get the joke at that first. Was it because the Seattle basketball team moved to Oklahoma? Yeah, they, they got bought over by Oklahoma or some, um, um, some new consortium. Ooh. So they relocated basically to the opposite end of America. So that's why they basically said, and just like your basketball le- team left and they went Aka. Mm. But yeah, I think that was probably the highlight of his 2018 thus far, getting that mm-hmm. really mega heel heat moment. But I think, do you think uh, his WrestleMania build up, you know, it was a bit kind of bland doing it because he, had, he was going against Brian and Shane with Sami Zayn, but they never sort of came across as the sort of really hardcore rebels that they think they were mm. trying to go for. Like, uh, Andy, what do you think of? That think does a lot. Uh, I don't know because I think the I think the idea might have been because the way Brian was going, it was almost like heel turn early on, mm. and then when he obviously got announced that he was uh, mm. coming out of retirement, I think that changed it because I I thought that Brian, that Sami Zayn, and Owens would have won that match. I was disappointed. In the, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, it's all right. I, I was a bit disappointed in that match. We'd waited for years for Brian to come back. We didn't need to wait another ten minutes. So for, for him to make his comeback, so we got he got beat down before the match, and then we had to put up with uh, Shane. You, you got to watch the best in the world. <laughs> well, clearly, Shane versus Lou, Lewiston. Yes. Clearly, they were hoping for something with with Brian and Shane against those two. It made it. That was clear for months. But they yeah. clearly weren't sure if Brian was going to be cleared or not. So they're clearly having to think on the fly, week to week, not knowing what they're going to do. And uh, Sammy and Kevin suffered before that because of it, and they were losing. Mostly be like Kevin for first appearance had like one win and that was the win over like AJ to get in that crappy handicap match at the Rumble. Yeah, so Kevin Owens, you know, he's had a very poor win-loss record this year, but he has been heavily promoted to coming back mm-hmm. soon. Hopefully he makes an appearance in the Royal Rumble, but there have been sort of rumours that, you know, he might be cleared, he might not be cleared, but hopefully uh, hopefully things will turn around for him. So that's just been a, a handful of some of our worst book superstars of the year. Just to name a few others that listeners have put in, uh, we've had votes for Bobby Roode, uh, Nia Jax, Sasha Banks, Samoa Joe, uh, the entire tag team division. <laughs> and we've also had one vote for the Kings of Catch. Which, uh, yeah. Is that you, Kwaku? Eh, uh, maybe. <laughs> All right. They weren't the worst book, just that. They should have won them to lack about if they should have had the belts. So All right. Kwaku? Shandy. <laughs> oh, why do you always say plenty after that? <laughs> anyway, so um, moving on. Moving on, yeah. <laughs> moving on. We're gonna. We've got um, ten minutes to discuss the worst matches of the year. Now there was quite a few suggestions for this, but I did see a sort of underlying trend, and I think we're gonna start off with a show that had potential to be one of the greatest WrestleManias in years, but it was let down by a very, very bad main event and that is Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Uh, Ross, I'll start with you on this one. How This was WrestleMania's main event, it's the marquee match of the year and it was just such a disappointment, wasn't it? It's, you know what it is? it's the fact that Roman Reigns has actually beat Brock Lesnar 
already. He didn't pin him, but he beat him in triple threat match. SummerSlam before it, it was a fatal four-way. He pinned, Brock pinned Roman again. So, we're building up to this match that no one wanted, you know. Mm-hmm. We talk about Roman Reigns' reaction. I don't think it's the, the fact that people don't like him. I think it's the fact that it's just like he's the go-to guy at every WrestleMania. And this match, I think, it hampered the likes of AJ, Joe and Braun for the simple fact that they were building the F5 up to be a one-and-done one finisher. Mm-hmm. And my God, I mean, three or four, fair enough, six F5s. And he kicks out the first five, and it's only after he busts him open the hard way. Like, something I'm not a fan of. Like, I like a bit, a bit of blood occasionally, but this whole, you know what, I'm not doing this wrestling crap anymore. I'm going to go MMA, because that's proper fighting. <laughs> it really just takes you the... It, they may as well just stand up and go, this is scripted. <laughs> and it, it just it takes you out of the match. Six F5s, just so poor. So, that, there's not much more I can say yeah. about it. Uh, just to sort of follow on for it was basically just a one move match Scott and you know you could even hear the crowd uh, just didn't really care about it you know the people yeah. were were starting to walk out of the arena they were saying beat the traffic and <laughs> I mean you did not expect that sort of reaction to the Wrestlemania main event I yeah, mean like that's Wrestlemania if you if you like watched that and you turned and you went to your bed after Ronda, the Ronda match you probably thought this was one of the best minis of all time but then when you watched the rest of it like, yeah, like you pay all this money to come to WrestleMania, one of the most expensive wrestling shows to attend, and you're chatting that in your main event. Like, I feel felt bad for Rowan because it, it seemed obvious he was going to win. He's taking all this punishment, he's letting a UFC fighter bust him open hard way. He looked mental with all the blood streaming down him, and people are still booing hell and saying how much they hate him. Which I'm pretty sure is one of the things they regret now, given the recent news. But, Aye. but like, and then this, the fact that they all move it to summer to greatest uh, Royal Rumble or the SummerSlam, making it all look predictable. No, because you knew eventually he was going to beat Brock. It's been obvious for so long, mm-hmm. and when you left him, yeah. when Brock went away, it left Roman in an even worse position because he, d- he had feuds that meant nothing. There was no stakes to them, and also he kept moaning that he was deserved a title match, which made him look like a whining heel rather than a valiant face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, WrestleMania was very much a show of two halves. The first mm-hmm. half was amazing. Second half left somewhat to be desired. <laughs> the the fans didn't want this match. We had Roman getting stuck down her throat, and it felt like this was going to be the coronation, and that's sort of planted the seed for the reaction that we've seen leading up to even mm-hmm. uh, Brock's match against Daniel Bryan at Survivor Series. Yeah, Andy, do you think this sort of match, you know, because uh, everybody was expecting Roman to win, but then Brock surprisingly yeah. ends up coming out on top? Do you think it had a sort of vibe of a squash match to it, given that there were so many F5s, there was the table bump, and then obviously well, the busting open? Well, I was going to say, cause I didn't see it, because I was with you watching WrestleMania, and I left early. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you, you missed out on it. I know, and I, I think I said to Quacker, and he was like, don't bother. It wasn't that good. Everybody yeah, left like, with just a sad face. I, can, yeah. I still remember that night. It was awful. Well, no, it's always like the, the good guy's supposed to win, but then mm. again, if everyone's booing Reigns, and it's like, well, yeah. Lesnar's just kind of daring. You know? It just felt really anticlimactic as well. It's not a feeling you want people to leave WrestleMania on. But, um, mm. uh, um, you know, we thought that was bad enough. But then next month, I think we got a match that was just as bad, involving, unfortunately, one of these guys again. This time it was Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe in the main event of Backlash. Now, people did, oh, Cultaholic have dubbed this, they called it um, Rest Hold the Musical, yeah. or something like that. <laughs> like, Scott, do you think, this wasn't, there was the WWE title match was defended uh, at Backlash. Yeah. Why was this the main event? 
Because it had Roman Reigns in it. Roman Reigns is the guy you all love. Mm. I, I actually like Roman and I feel bad for him all at the time, but if they just like had him beat Brock either Mania or Greatest Royal Rumble, this would have gave much much more takes because Joe kept teasing, I'm going to win the IC title in that match, and then if you've got the title, I'll take that too. They lost both, both of them lost their matches, so like, you've both lost, you're both technically losers, why are you using the main event? Yeah. Now Ross, you were kind of critical about this match as well, like, but you also said that, you know, Samoa Joe did exactly what he said he was going to do, but do you think it was just right straight up boring, or do you think it was actually some entertaining aspect to it? So, what also were mentioned back to the charity, when, uh, charity special we did, when I said that Joe, like you say, did exactly what he was going to set out to do. I think this would have been fine, much as you said. The WWE title match is on the show, which also an hour non-finish. We can talk about that mm. for ages. But, yeah, it, it's not a choice you put in the main event when, you're, when your guy is just, like, grinding down, you know, Roman Reigns, and then obviously it's the... We always talked about Super Cena, Super Roman, mm-hmm. with a big comeback and Superman punch and the spear. It was boring, yeah, but obviously, storyline perspective, when you look at it, you're like, well, actually, Josie did everything he was going to say he was doing, except win. Except win. Yeah, yeah. so it, it did kind of make sense, but at the same time, you're like, it's a pay-per-view main event. WrestleMania yeah. sort of died in its arse the month before. You're hoping for a big comeback. Great Royal Rumble really wasn't anything worth writing home about. And it's just, I it it's good and it's not good. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's good from a storyline perspective, but as a, a fan tuning in, yeah, you're really let down. One of my disappointments about this match was the the way that Joe looks in the back of it. So Joe he gets drafted, smacked him, cuts some amazing promos about what he's going to do to Roman, and then comes up short yet again in the match. And Joe should should for me, after being drafted, being one of the leading stars of SmackDown. And he's not, and he, he looked weak in that. He didn't. Roman didn't need to fight Joe at that point. Joe didn't need to fight Roman. They both could have been booked into di- different and better matches, and the match was just terrible and boring, like you said. I mean, it's, it is a B pay per view, so I mean, maybe they had the chance to be a bit flexible with it. But you know, as a, a couple of the guys mentioned before, um, I think it was like two week, a week and a half prior to it, we had uh, the Greatest Royal Rumble show. Uh, but uh, that's kind of the subject of what we're going to talk about in this uh, final segment is though because I think there was one event in particular both in terms of matches and booking where I think it was just an absolute car crash right from the word go it, given not just with it from WWE's viewpoint where everything's kayfabe etc but I think real world events also had uh, an influence in this now some of the guys here, namely Gary and the McLeods, you know, you guys had did a preview show on this oh, show. Oh, it's an amazing podcast. That's the best thing that came out of Crown Jewel was the podcast. Because <laughs> we even talked about Viscera on the podcast. Oh, we, we had a good five minutes talking about Viscera. That's how, that's how little we, we talked. We talked Viscera, Sean Stasiak, NXT UK, uh, Guilty Pleasure Sweeties. I'm pretty sure we talked at one point. Uh, you've I just brewed my segue there. Yeah, but I yes, enjoyed, um, I enjoyed doing that podcast more than I did watching this show. Yeah, you you kind of ruined my segue there, but yeah, our final segment we're going to be discussing Crown Jewel. Thought we enhanced it, David. No, you made it worse. No, we this make is things, why you're the, well, the worst the of the SSR. We make things better, like David. Right me and him, me, him and Kwaku were on the best show of the year. Yeah. We were on the best of show. As was I. No, you were. You were on best matches. You weren't on best of 2018. We sent you to Leeds in a fake assignment to get away from you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yeah. Did you try to lower his Tesla level? That's all it is. Off, hashtag off topic. So, um, 
Let's, uh, we'll start with one of the sort of biggest rage moments. <laughs> you've set, you've set Ross up. Oh god, I broke Ross now. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's start with, um, the WWE US Open, or as they like to call it, the, the World Cup. Uh, oh, Andy, I see you shaking your head there. What did you make of this whole kerfuffle? Well, I didn't even watch Crown Jewel. I've only watched highlights, and it was just like... Lucky you. Uh, uh, yeah, that was probably better. Yeah. It, it's just ridiculous. Oh, it's, the world, it's just an American thing. It's the World Cup, but it's all mostly American wrestlers. It's like, it was all American wrestlers. Yeah, but it was all. It was, it was yeah, ridiculous. I mean... People were saying, oh wait, Mysterio is Mexican. No, he was born in San Diego. Yeah. My whole street was buggered from the off, because as soon as Lashley lost, he was my pick to win the whole thing. Oh, as soon okay. as he lost to Seth, I was... My, my investment went down significantly. Mm. It was low enough at the end with. Yes. Well, looking from that expert at the time, I was more angry about my pay-per-view than the actual expert losing it for me. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. Do you have some balance to this conversation? We, we, we slate the, the Crown Jewel and the Greatest Royal Rumble shows, but they start at 5pm. That's quite a handy time for us to sit down yeah. and watch them. The only thing I've It's just a shame they're rubbish to sit down and watch. That was the only good thing about it, is like at a time where we could watch it, yeah. And this World Cup concept... Gary, I now know your level. All I need to do is put an emoji of a poo on at 6pm and you'll watch it. But the concept of this World Cup, they actually... It's not like WWE only employ American wrestlers. They have people from literally all over the world, so they could have had... They had these Americans beat people from other countries to get into someone from Japan to get into Do you think just because Drew McIntyre was next to Dolph Ziggler that was enough for him to say world? And, and Drew, and Drew, 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 once, yeah. and Drew was there. Yeah. Drew was there. He was wandering around. Was it, doing I was nothing. watching the highlights and I saw Drew come out and I was like, I can't remember Drew being in this. And it was yeah, just because he was dressed to wrestle yeah. and it was, it was all dark. It's, like, <laughs> it's like whenever you see a World Cup and there's a big group of nutters wearing kilts and top and army t shirts. We don't care. We'll support everything. How great would it have been if Drew won it? It's like, we have won a World Cup, Scotland. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Shane... wrestling World Cup. Right, stick your 66 <laughs> up your... Yeah, <laughs> I can see you chopping at the bit, yes. We just have to say, Shane winning it. Uh, and the thinking at the time was it's going to lead to Shane McMahon heel turn or something, but it's not. It's probably going to lead to a Miz face turn. Yeah. You see, the thing is, like, I laughed yeah. quite a lot to this, because I knew this is the kind of thing. They did this on purpose to wind people up. I've certainly did that. Because, yeah. like, and weirdly, I don't think the Shane heel turn is going to happen because that's what made that what would have made this make sense. But the fact that he is now purposely trying to make WWE better on the man's like, now you've turned yourself face again. Like, so now we can't do you now if you're making things better. Yeah, just to sort of raise a point with everybody here, just to sort of discuss the World Cup as a whole. Do you think because you know it was held in Saudi Arabia, you know it's a much more casual audience, and you know they were paying millions and millions of dollars to bring this massive show over to the Middle East as part of this Project 2030, a big sort of ongoing deal that WWE has with Saudi Arabia. Do you think it came to the night and they just thought, you know what, let's just make this a massive piss take and have Shane win? Well, there was a lot of controversy before it, as you said, with the whole sort of, you know, what happened in Saudi Arabia, watching wrestling related, and then you had Cena and Brian drop out. And I think going into that, they must have had, they must have felt a bit wrong about doing it. We, we, like the wrestlers. The Saudis so. are the ones who wanted them to do the World Cup in the first place. They didn't want to do it. Essentially, they just took the money and like, all right, he says to put a World Cup on. You didn't see we had to put a good one on. <laughs> Take the money and run. Do you know what the funny thing is? Actually, I think there was a rumor going round that the reason that a World Cup was held I in Saudi Arabia was because obviously the 2022 FIFA World Cup is being held in Qatar. Yeah. And I think the Saudi government were asked, were essentially demanding that they get a World Cup as well. 
But the fact there was only eight participants off of America, it was anything but a World Cup. It was a US Open, that's what it was. But yeah, so that was one of the sort of main US Opens were in the Middle East. Yes, we were. I felt bad for saying, like, he's sweating enough at the best of times, but coming out in the Middle East, I thought he was going to melt. <laughs> and he only wrestled for about three minutes, and he looked like he just ran a marathon. He had an anti-mature turtleneck on to hide his uh, muscle tee as well. Then you'd be slitting my turtleneck. Very smart, and Here comes Mitchell! Here we go! go. <laughs> best in the world. <laughs> but yeah, that was just... Um, One I mean, third, best in the world, sorry. Uh, oh no, uh, can, can we talk about a positive leading up to this tournament? Yeah. When, I bet, when they mentioned best in the world, and a CM Punk chat started. And Shane McMahon just went, I don't believe he's in the tournament. <laughs> yeah. Just so snidey and then just moved on. Mm. Uh, yeah, you made an excellent point. I think that was the only good thing about him the build up to that. But yeah, just when you thought the night couldn't get any worse with Shane winning the World Cup, the next match happens and Braun Strowman, Monster Among Men, gets squashed in about two minutes by Brock Lesnar. Like put it, I watched the highlights thing before the show and they just showed the full match in the highlights because it was that short, yeah. Surely, like, <laughs> the highlights must have been just a gif off of F5. Yeah, F5. Surely this is uh, something wrong with this video. Yeah, that's all it was, it was just F5. Is this, is this frozen? <laughs> like, like Braun for almost a year has almost been kind to number two, almost inadvertently to Roman because they always want Roman to talk down Braun and almost by accident Braun's become the number two, so Kind of by default, you'd have thought Braun. Everybody said, oh, Braun's going to... It seemed like the obvious choice. Like, I think we've all learned this year, don't go for the obvious choice, especially in a universal title match. Mm. And, like... I've lost my train of thought now, I'm so... No, you're right, Scott. Um, WWE's had uh, a couple of occasions there where they, Braun was hot and they could have put the trigger on him and made him the champ. They could have done it round about WrestleMania. They could have done it at uh, uh, Jewel. They didn't. Uh, is Braun going to be one of these of guys that actually they've, they've missed the boat uh, mm. by the time he gets the title will will the ship ship have sailed? It could have been like when Austin went out and the Rock set in when Roman went out Braun could have easily stepped to these places to toy he could have carried Raw for at least mm. a year or so Yeah and Ross you know Braun was also Mr Money in the Bank this year as well do you think that was a wasted opportunity or do you think he could have used that in some way to sort of get um, get over essentially? Yes and no, because obviously Money in the Bank, I think, is a concept that's sort of, it's been going a while. And, well, it is still an exciting concept. The I hate cash-ins, personally. You know, if, <laughs> if you had, if you had a well, bad experience, Well, I'm glad you doesn't listen Quacker. to our history of Money in the Bank show, but you can. At Suplex Retail. There's only so many different cash-ins you can see, and we've seen them all. Yeah, and I think, obviously, with Baron Corbin losing his the year before, and... Uh, Braun Strowman losing his, I think they thought, oh, you've got a break. Like, no, you've done two women's cash ins both mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. And the greatest cash in, well, not the sorry, wrong choice of words, the, the biggest heel cash in ever in the history of cash ins when Stephen the Heel Wilson cashed <laughs> <laughs> in on, on the hero. The but hero quacker. The people's mm-hmm. champ of Lindsay. Yeah. yeah. The people's champ of Lindsay, Ghana, the Netherlands, and everywhere else, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I still get tweets. Uh, oh yeah, there's another stat for you. Not the people's champion. Um, when Stephen won, I still get tweets saying, "I watch Quacko as a champion." Told you. Best for business. Carry on. Just to throw a random stat, Quacko is now officially the shortest reigning ESSR champion of everybody here. So <laughs> yes. just thought I'd throw that in. In fairness, we are looking for a new Fisher Award, and actually looking back on this year's sweeps, which I've been keeping a record of. 
the most runners up is actually the worst host of 2018. It's uh, Mr. Hockney. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. You have the most runners up. Yeah. There must no, be some he, sort he of Quacko award we can make for somebody that doesn't last can't. very long. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of. Uh, it won't be, won't be, won't be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about rest. I think we're actually going to do that. Yes. But when did you read my Tinder profile? <laughs> 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 Just sort of getting back to the sort of uh, Lesnar and Braun for a minute. It was. Do you think this could have potentially been a great match, or do you think it was just again another case of lazy like booking? Braun's big enough to be unbelievable enough to beat Brock Lesnar. So it's. Yeah, again, they had faced each other at No Mercy before, and that went on about maybe three times as long. Yeah, you know, again, but it wasn't like you know the best of matches, but at least you know it was something. I enjoyed Goldberg versus Brock at Mania. You know that yeah. sort of physical. It was a short match, but the two guys, you know, had a um, bit of offense, and Braun and Brock could have had a similar type of match. Mm-hmm. On the two occasions, I think the two matches they've had have been disappointing. It certainly would have lifted spirits on what was already a disappointing show, but uh, mm-hmm. I think we've got so before. No, no, no. See the actual original match that was planned, Roman Brock and uh, Braun. Yeah. I couldn't have that. Did I say Braun or Brock? <laughs> I, uh, the original Triple Threat. I think that would have been an amazing match. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And obviously, you know, for reasons already discussed, you know, Roman Reigns' leukemia announcement was vacating the title. A lot of us thought, you know, it was going to be Braun's time, but no, yeah. sadly not to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just to sort of round up the worst of 2018, and Scott, I'm going to come to you on this one because, uh, yeah, and he's got his head is in his hands here because. I mean, it's all well. It is good for him to see Kane in a main event again. I think this was just a really, this is a really big uh, asterisk mark in this circumstance. Let me just quickly round up Kane's 2018 because for Kane fans, you know, one repeated kick in the balls after another. <laughs> he comes in, he slaves heavily. It's hard for me to defend his him coming in and being as built up as he is and randomly putting this you know universal title match. He's run in. Uh, with an unsuccessful game dumped a big table dumped on him because every Kane appearance could be his last and you think is that how Kane's going to go out <laughs> like so first it was it was like he was going to go out having a table dumped on him then he came back to form Team Hell No he was making funny jokes like and going in sync which was quite funny then he had a boot on it Extreme Mills and did bugger all in that match and then he comes out he does nothing he helps his brother fuck all it's super short. He just stands outside, takes one of the worst table bumps I've ever seen, and well, at least the shame one was meant to be annoy people. This was maybe a big clash of like generation two for the best. The attitude there having this should have been one of the greatest matches of all time, and the one moment in twenty years that's made me regret being a Kane fan. Even after everything Kane's done, I've always been a proud Kane fan. The one moment that made me re- almost regret my loyalty for the last twenty years. His fucking mask fell off. <laughs> yeah. And he's probably again like, we know what you look like under the mask. Yeah, so well, he... I can't work out if you're angry or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fighting the urge to cry right now. All right. I'm so... going to crawl up in the ball and cry now. All right, just going away from Scott's rap, we are, talk- of course, talking about uh, Dad Generation X versus the Grandfathers of Destruction, <laughs> which was... Oh, my God. Oh, where do you even... Gary, where do we even start with this match? Well, do you know... Fairness, Kwaku. Kwaku's... 
wincing at that joke. When I made the joke originally, it got a big laugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's delivery. <laughs> I, I maybe don't share the same disappointment as everybody in this room does because I didn't think this match was going to be great anyway. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I had very low expectations of this match. What immunisation did you take? Can I get <laughs> I'd actually forgot that this match was about to happen. So after the best in the world final had happened, I, t- I turned it off. And then I, and then I remember seeing on Twitter, so, oh, <laughs> put it back on. Um, so, I, I wasn't surprised. I, um, unfortunately, some of the, you know, Undertaker's matches at WrestleMania are things of legend. The latter one against Roman was a disappointment. The matches we've seen in the fake pay-per-views subsequently have have not been great either. I don't think so. I, I wasn't expecting. I didn't have high hopes of this match at all, and it didn't disappoint me. Yeah, see, um, obviously it's Super Showdown the month before Ross. Uh, we had Undertaker versus Triple H last time ever, but yet all of a sudden, a few weeks later, Shawn Michaels comes out of retirement, and now they're doing a tag team match uh, against the Brothers of Destruction. Was there really any point to this, given that you know last time ever was hyped so much as the sort of main focal point of Super Showdown? Last well, singles match ever. Yeah, we, we learned from once in a lifetime that tagline mean nothing to WWE. <laughs> how many, so I mean, how many rock references have you put in this show now? Oh, like, fair few. At least four, I think. I'll, I'll, I'll be fair to them, right? So you're in that line of, um, oh, I stayed out of retirement for respect to the Undertaker, but that went out the window when you attacked us. Yeah. I kind of didn't yeah. like that. I, yeah. I didn't like that. But again, if you're going to deliver on the story, you've got to deliver on the match. Yeah. HBK stood for huge belly came. <laughs> <laughs> As I say as I'm sucking in my gut so no jokes get said to me. Right the that match was the spit outside and there was a really awkward Irish whip moment oh, where they oh. couldn't even coordinate the Irish whip. I, I think, and, does the cameraman not get tangled up in it as yeah, well? Yeah, it does, I yeah. I didn't even know, it was just a... Oh. It, looked like, it looked like two people <laughs> that didn't know how to do a gay golden at a Kaylee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just somebody trying, no, no, one, two, three, four, and eight half, rotations. Halfway through, someone said, let's do it progressive. <laughs> <laughs> Triple H was clearly the best in ring wise in this match. It's not saying much because you clearly show how much he was struggling to carry the weight this match that it would cause him a Terry's peck as a result. Yeah, you know, he, he took a nasty bump in the corner and yeah, yeah he, he suffered a, a pectoral damage. And I think that actually hurt storyline in the long term because on SmackDown 1000 they were teasing a match between him and Batista at WrestleMania. And, you know, I think it just nothing went right in this match. Although we did get a nice sort of moonsault spot from HBK. Uh, Scott, do you think that was Shawn not Mike- flying? That was falling with style, little <laughs> <laughs> style. Do you think Shawn Michaels did did all right in the ring? Given you know he's been retired for eight years and he's he's in his he's in his fifties now. Do you think he did all right? Like the fact that he came back after eight years of basically sitting in the woods hunting and occasionally going down to the performance center, and he performed worse than when he came back after four years of having a back injury. Just goes to show how really how much of a bitch time can be. Mm. Was I can't even remember much in this match because I just can't get used to Shawn Michaels with a bald head. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's, it's just not the same. It's, it's, it's my dream. Remember when he dressed up as uh, Hulk Hogan on that fake Larry King set? That's what oh, yeah, that was hilarious. Oh uh, god, he was back at this pay per view as well, wasn't he? Oh yeah, Hulk oh, Hogan god, was hosting as well. Yes. Do you know what? That's watched the highlights. I thought I got the wrong video because I was like, what's Hogan doing here? And then, yeah. Do you know what? That's actually really funny as well. They made absolutely zero mention of the fact they were in Saudi Arabia. The closest thing they had was um, they said Riyadh at the sort of graphics at the start. 
But then every time they just said, oh, it's a great to be here in Crown Jewel. Like, they never mentioned anything but Saudi. I feel like all the talk about this, this is going to lead to Michael maybe being in the Rumble, and he's definitely going to have a WrestleMania match. This match was so bad, Sean decided, yeah, it's probably best us to retire. Like, yeah. it was just said to Charlotte, we're getting too yeah. old for this. So I say on that day, right, I was actually watching two wrestling things simultaneously. I was watching, well, watching Crown Jewel on my main TV, but I had my iPad on Facebook Live, was pro wrestling evolution down in London and what a what a scene they were putting down in London. All women's paper uh, all women's matches, absolutely fantastic. There's a complete contrast to what mm. was just a death yeah. paper view yeah. of crowd jobs. Well, like, a complete, yeah, a complete contrast until to five days earlier when they had uh, WWE Evolution. Oh, yeah, an all-women's pay-per-view followed by an all-man's pay-per-view five days later. I mean, had Renee. Yeah, we had Renee. Well, Renee, close uh, enough, yeah. Why could you text everyone, like, by the way, lads, I've got you here. Facebook Live. <laughs> I <had to laughs> Don't bet. watch this shit. Watch I, pro wrestling. <laughs> I remember I said to Ross when we watched this abomination of a main event, I had half an episode of XUK I hadn't watched. I went, Ross, do you mind if I put XUK on? I need to remember what good wrestling is. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's also we need to remember is that there's a, they've got a 10-year deal with Saudi Arabia, so we're going to have... More, yeah, we're gonna have more shows like this coming along. Gary's excited because you can watch it at five pm. Yeah, I mean, more podcasts for me. Yeah, Gary's excited because, as he said on the Crown Jewel, right in front of Stephen, mm. just to annoy him. When <laughs> I love these fake pay per views, it's the only way I get booked on podcasts anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I think we're gonna be stuck with the the fake pay per views with almost zero kayfabe and no storyline involvement for the next wee while. So, but hey, well, Elsa has great content, doesn't uh, it? Listen to our previews of the highlight. You can hear Strack's phone go off, me fail to do, say eat, sleep, suplex, retweet, and <laughs> Gary shout at his son Ollie for wandering about the house. Ross, <laughs> I'm such a great producer that I cut all that out, and now you've no. just aired it out into everyone. Mate, put, put that three minute it. clip up on, on YouTube and yeah, it'll be better. All right, I'll take show. Sorry, we've got. Uh, we'll save that, that? <laughs> we'll that for another episode. But yeah, that's going to do it for us here on this week's episode. Uh, this was uh, Stop Doing The Jazz Hands, everybody. <laughs> uh, that was uh, the worst of 2018, so first of all, big thank you to my panel, uh, Gary. Thank you. Scott. I'm going to go crawling up ball. Yeah, Andy. Always a pleasure. Ross. And Quacko. I wish you'd invite me. <laughs> all right. <laughs> now, we're not uh, finished for 2018 just yet. We've got one more show happening next week, and it is the 2018 NXT Call-Up Show, hosted by the Bath Bomb Princess Sarah. Uh, so make sure you're tuned in for that. That'll be our last show of the year. So you'll be uh, you get one more early Christmas. Oh, one more Christmas present from us for this year. Uh, just to give you a sort of quick preview of what we got uh, planned for in 2019, uh, January we've, we'll be discussing the build towards the Royal Rumble, and uh, after that you'll hear a lot more great content from everybody here on the panel. Uh, more, you'll hear more from the other voices of ESSR. You'll get um, you won't just get me, Ross, Quacku, Stephen, and Sarah behind the mic here. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we'll have that. Some more interviews, and you can. But if you want to hear some more of our great content from 2018, you can listen to our back catalogue uh, on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, all good podcasting sites. We've got over a hundred episodes to choose from, so it's really just take your pick. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media as well: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Suplex Retweet, and give us a rate and give us a review. And we'll uh, see you next week for the NXT Call Up Show. So on behalf of myself and my panel, this has been the worst of 2018. I've been David Hockney, and we'll see you next week. Merry Christmas. Uh, Listen, cunts, I don't care what the f*** you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of d***.
tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online, you should be subscribing, you should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, whatever the f you're doing, that's what you should be doing. I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions, get on it right now!